We are so excited to get going. Tim Howard, Robbie Musto, Robbie Earl, Rebecca Lowe with you all weekend long. We're going to get going, though, with the news, of course, that happened earlier on this week. Steve Bruce has lost his job, Robbie Musto. We knew, we thought it would happen. Graham Jones will take at least the next two, including Palace, uh, tomorrow away from home. Your reaction to Bruce finally going? Uh, always going to happen. Untenable. No wins in nine all competitions. 19 goals against. The fans don't really want him there. It's a new ownership, new manager is always going to happen. Of course, we'll see now what they're going to do in the future, Graham Jones, for now. But big decisions, Rebecca, this club need to be made, starting from the very top with the CEO or director of football. Lots of work to do. Tim, we talked about it a lot at the weekend. For all parties, Steve Bruce included, it just needed to happen, didn't it? It needed to happen. And when you see his comments, you feel bad for him. I mean, he did everything he could with what he was given at Newcastle to Put, you know, finish 12th and 13th, which is respectable given what they had. Uh, and I feel, I actually feel sorry for him. I do. They have to get this one right because I believe the next manager is going to be a bridge to what's to come. Well, Rabiel, that's what I want mm. to talk to you about. The yeah. next manager. The name at the moment seems to either be Paolo Fonseca or yeah. Frank Lampard. Yeah. What are your thoughts on those two names? Well, more than that, Rebecca, it's who's making these choices. And mm. Amanda Staveley has done a brilliant job at buying football clubs. Is she a brilliant person to pick a coach, a director of football, a technical director, the scouting things, all the structures that need to be in place? That's my worry for Newcastle United now, whether it's Fonseca, whether it's Lampard or Gerrard and all the names that we're saying there. There's got to be some real good football now and understanding to make sure Newcastle come. And my point being that for 10 minutes, we saw what Newcastle could be about in that game against Spurs. But for 80 minutes, we saw what Newcastle are, a mess. And Newcastle have to sort this mess out because there is absolutely no guarantee that they'll stay in the Premier League. So, Robbie, they need a manager that mm. has maybe the contacts of a technical director of a whole scouting network. I mean, does a Lampard have that? No. I, I, I think it's got to be a manager for me. It wouldn't be Fonseca. I think it has to have Premier League experience. This is a unique situation. You don't want a manager coming into the league for the first time, kind of feeling his way. I really like Stephen Gerrard, the idea of him. Eddie Howe. Maybe it's time for Eddie Howe to come and be the bridge that Tim talks it, about. It, it needs to be instant impact, whoever it is, because they have to stay up. Do you have a favourite name? I'd like to see Gerard. I think it's a job for him. Gerard, Gerard. What do you mention? Chris Wilder. Chris Wilder. Crikey, that's <laughs> rather left, <laughs> left field. By the way, at the weekend, you want a Mourinho. We change every day. We change every day. Now, of course, whoever does come in for Newcastle have got quite a job on their hands, haven't they? They haven't won yet this season. And without a manager now, points bet believe there are still three teams who have a greater chance, though, to be relegated than Newcastle. They see Norwich, Watford and Burnley as the favourites to go down. Then it's Newcastle, fourth favourite, followed by Crystal Palace, interestingly, and Southampton as well. So that's the Newcastle situation. We're all here, of course, for FanFest this weekend. The first game of the weekend is Arsenal against Aston Villa. Tim, you watched the game against Palace on yeah. Monday. They got back into it with that late equaliser. Thanks to Alexander Lacazette, who starts today. We'll bring you team news shortly. Um, did they deserve to get back into it in quite that way? No, they didn't. I thought they were outplayed by Crystal Palace. Palace set their stall out, pressed them really high, and they turned the ball over in bad areas. And, and just when you think Arsenal are turning the corner and starting to get the results, they'd expect to have beaten Crystal Palace at home, and they didn't. And I thought they were, I thought they were soft on the day, and they, were, they didn't execute the game plan, so... They didn't deserve it, but in the end, you could see what it meant to them because they were they were excited that they got a, a, a draw. Robbie, how much progress are they actually making? As Tim says, it feels like a step forward, a step back yeah, constantly. And it might it might do for a little time. Mm. This is a new team of young players, and I think we're starting to see the Arteta kind of style of play, which at the moment, by the way, is all about with the ball, not great without the ball. I saw some stats uh, the last couple of days where they're the lowest pressing team in the league, so that's got to improve, and I think that's where they lose control in games. But I still... 
Just, just call the Jets with Arsenal. It's going to take a while to find their full potential with this young tide. It's interesting because, as Robbie said, they're a mid-table team at the moment, Rebecca. Young manager learning, young team learning, young players learning. I'm looking now for a body of work. Some of them young players are going to have to understand what Premier League is about, putting a body of, of games together. And the experienced players, they need to come good. I'm talking about Aubameyang, Lacazette, Porty. Ramsdale, who's done well in goal, Gabriel. Those are the key players to get those standards and get some consistency. Really good victory, Robbie L, for Arsenal there against Aston Villa and definitely deserved. Yeah, absolutely, definitely deserved. And, and we were talking about before the game, Arsenal's aggression off the, the, the ball, the, their ability to try and win the ball back. It was a day when I felt their aggression actually helped their football, that, that by going and winning things, got them in a good tempo, and then the quality came out at the top of the pitch. That's probably one of the better performances from Arsenal we've seen this season. The only disappointment, giving away one sloppy goal that stops a clean sheet. Robbie, when you look at this developing, um, progressive Arsenal team, what identity do you think they now have under Mikel Arteta or are developing? I think they're developing, Rebecca. I think it's a really good question because... What you saw today, for me, is the way it should be. Yes, they're going to try and play and be expansive, is what Arsenal fans want. They'll do that, but there's got to be the other side. Mm. We talked about it before. That was the main difference today. Aggression, aggression, winning the ball back. They've just got to remember that, Rebecca. And I think we'll all remember that performance, particularly in the first 45 minutes. If Arsenal go away from that and are, and are easier to play against, that's when the results will start to falter. Really good from Arsenal, but they've got to keep that going. What impressed you, Tim? Well, I think... Arsenal are their own worst enemy. They like to win the ball back and then play safe and easy and comfortable, really good football. Today, they played front to back quickly. Won the ball, played forward, played, played fast, possibly because Lacazette was in the lineup as well as Aubameyang in the lineup. And then o Odegaard didn't play today, but Smith-Rowe got on the ball, got turned, played forward. They are so incredibly dangerous. Can I ask you just about Ramsdale? Because I loved when the goal went in, Ramsey scored, it wasn't well defending. But he came out and he started having a go at a load of those defenders. That's something we've not necessarily seen at Arsenal. That's not something Bert Leno particularly does. No, we didn't see it from Leno. And when we, when we talked at the beginning of the show about him, that's, yes, it's the saves, but it's also the command, the command of his area, the command of the players in front of him. He's walked into, he's come from Sheffield United, walked into the Arsenal dressing room and said, this is mine. So fair play to him. Disappointed with Villa? I was. I expected a lot more from mm -hmm. them. Again, credit to Arsenal, didn't let them play. But that's three losses now, yeah, I think. three straight losses. Three straight yeah. losses, mm. a good team on paper. We were chatting about it earlier, whether <laughs> Dean Smith start be under pressure. He, he shouldn't be for me, but it is an ambitious group of owners that you've talked about, Tim, and uh, he's got to turn around quickly. I'm very old school. Who are you? Nobody. I need to make sure that you're going to know about me and I can make you win titles. It took me a little while, you know, two, three years to finally win something, and then you can talk. That's interesting, because Lee Dixon works with us and he's still the same now. Oh, well. <laughs> Lee, Lee, it's funny, Lee. Hey, tell Lee, I used to tell, I used to tell him it's funny because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the fox-in-the-box, potter type of player. I, although I scored some goals in the box, but, I, I, you know, Lee used to put the ball in the box and go like, you know, where, where are you? Put the, I was like, Lee, sometimes put your head up. You know, it's over those times where you cross the ball and someone will break his neck to meet your cross. Old school centre forward, yeah. Exactly. Can you meet my run? Can you meet me? And we used to joke about it. And he was like, oh, what do you mean? And then they understood what type of player I was and, and it was all good at the end. Lovely. Well, Robbie's here 
alongside us here at the LA Coliseum. That's where we're going to be Premier League mornings live on location on the road for the next three days. And Robbie, mm. just he seems as a player, he always yeah. you know didn't give too much away in interviews. No. I'd interviewed him; it was quite mm. difficult. But that, I mean, the the personality was great. Do you know the thing that they stood? A- comes across Rebecca is it didn't actually feel like an interview felt like a zoom call with a mate and we were just chatting about old times and stories and all kinds of subjects and he's he's frank he's honest he's fascinating and I think the line goes he's the most interesting man in the world he probably is (laughs) I love it now Tim take us back you're there in goal he gets the ball he's bearing down on you (laughs) and scores yeah you just throw your hands up not only when I was playing but you watch the highlights what do you do with this guy he was elegant and he was he was tough he was a winner. He was the greatest player I've ever played against in the Premier League, and he's the Premier League's greatest player. Simple as that. He's breathtaking. We heard Bukayo Saka early on talking about that goal he scored. I think it was against it was against United when he kind of flicks it up and then volleys it. Mm-hmm. He said that they've all tried it a million times in yeah. the academy. No one can do it because yeah. how can you do that? Not yeah. only do it, but do it in the Premier League. But listen, he, he had incredible skill. He was a very cool finisher and probably the quickest player, like the effortlessly quick player. I think that's why, again, I think most people in that era would say he's the best player that I ever played against Henri. And, and just to Tim's point, he had a heart as well, a big heart. It was a real winner. But you marry that with his abilities and playing alongside uh, Dennis Bergkamp, that's pretty good. He was one of the first players who ever started to play behind the back line offside. And, and defenders would look behind him and like Thierry Henry's there. So they dropped mm. 20 or so. He, he almost changed the role of centre-forwards. That's how good he was. Is there anybody like him today? It's, t- it's tough. I mean, every, everyone wants to be like him. Everybody wants to play like him. But as Musty said, he married so many things together. It'd be, it'd be very difficult to match that. Yeah, he was almost the perfect footballer. Mm-hmm. And anyone who got to play against him, as you guys did, or watch him, certainly that was an honour to see Thierry Henry in his prime in the Premier League. A lot of Chelsea fans here. A lot of cheers today. A tremendous victory for Chelsea. Tim, seven goals to nil. What are the main standouts of Chelsea today? Well, it was a question of where were the goals come from. No Lukaku, no Werner. They share the goals well. Of the 16 they scored before this game, 12 different goal scorers. Today was no different. The Academy products, Hudson-Odoi, Mount, they got, on, they got on the score sheet. They were brilliant. I spent most of the day with, with the fans there. And the Chelsea fans, as Tim said, were just not concerned, but it was an important day to get goals without Lukaku and Werner. For the Norwich fans, I'm afraid they're already talking, Rob, about next season in the Championship. That's kind of... It's like the ambition's gone out of this football club is a little this, bit. Is this acceptable, Tim, from Norwich and Daniel Farker's team to come into the Premier League? Of course, we know what their model is. And to, to be so meek in this division? The, the model is fine if, if you accept it as a Norwich fan. But to, to, to go to Chelsea and be that naive and think you're just going to try and out-football them and be expansive. They needed to really give themselves a foothold in the game, defend properly, at least try and keep a zero to, to halftime and try and find the goal. Anything stop Daniel Fark? Is he just remain in the job for the remainder of the season? Is anything to say I think it's the way the football club is, Rob, and they'll accept that. But it's about Chelsea today. Seven goals, yep. top of the table. Hat-trick for, for Mason Mount. Um, you know, questions without Lukaku, show them they can do the business. I cannot waste any more time before I ask you about the takeover at Newcastle and all the joy that it has brought so many Newcastle fans. Yeah, I totally understand that and get that because Newcastle basically have flatlined for 14 years. They've had no hope, no ambition at all. They just wanted to stay in the uh, in the Premier League. They had no ambition in any cup competitions. So Mike Ashley has gone, so I totally understand the excitement. They can now have a bit of hope. They can now look forward into hopefully um, staying in the Premier League and getting bigger and getting better. And if there's any fans deserve that, 
in uh, in England. I think it's a Newcastle fans. There, is, there are some elements of controversy. <laughs> the new owners from Saudi Arabia. There are some conflicted fans out there. Do you understand that, Al? Absolutely. I totally understand that, and I get that questions have to be asked and should be asked, and it's up to ourselves now, including myself, to educate ourselves on the human rights issues in uh, in South Africa. And because of what's happened, certainly in the last um, two weeks, there's been more questions asked than there has been for a long time. So the more the merrier, I think, for everyone. Now, you have come to many fan fests with us over the last few years. You've been at most of them, I think, around the I country. Have. Did you expect it to rain in L.A.? Well, we just thought we'd bring the English weather with us. And it's, not, it's, de you. it's definitely not messing my hair up anyway, so I'm all right. <laughs> I know, I'm having mine curled every five minutes in the, in the backstage area. Al, um, I'm just going to bring in a massive Newcastle fan, Shade Hardline. In come the middle, in, come in, Shade, come in the middle, because I want to just get your story, Shade. You're a huge Newcastle fan, yeah. but you're from here. Just tell us how come you love Newcastle and Alan so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love Newcastle. I, I moved out there for grad school a few years ago and lived out there for a few years. And um, I didn't really have a Premier League club before. And I, I went to my first match within the first couple of weeks of living up there. And I tell everybody that, you know, I went up the stairs of St. James Park, a tourist, and I came down to Geordie. Yes, and, I love that. Um, <laughs> and I absolutely well love Newcastle. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. And it was, a, it was something that was special to you with your grandma, am I right? Yeah, yeah. My, uh, my mom, or my grandma, but she raised me. But yes, um, yeah, she, uh, she started watching the matches while I was living out there because she wanted to see me in the stands. And then she would start asking me questions about football and, and about Newcastle and everything like that. And I'd call her all excited after the matches and then... And I moved back home, we, we, we watched matches together, and she became a diehard Geordie as well. And, and um, up until, you know, unfortunately she passed away this year. But um, she'd be buzzing off all of this. I'm, I'm, I'm getting so emotional. Oh, well done. She'd yeah. be ever yeah. so proud of you. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure she would. You are, you're just, you're, you're everything. You're the well, goat. I love you so uh, much. I appreciate that. Well, as a, as a thank you and such a great story, oh. I brought a Newcastle top and a signed top for you. Oh, so. my God. Thank oh. you. What a wonderful gesture, and that is a Premier League wish. Shade, thank you, thank I, you so I, much for coming. Speechless. I'm honestly speechless. Well this is the best day of my life. Uh, after the takeover, after the takeover. <laughs> <laughs> best day after the takeover. Shade, thank you so much. That is a Premier League wish, and that is an initiative from the Premier League. We're inviting the rest of you to share your ultimate Premier League wish. Go to premierleague.com slash mypl_wish and let us know what you truly wish for, just like Shade, and the Premier League may just grant it. Oh, it's Rog here. Everton about to play Watford. They don't trust me with objective coverage. So I've got two former legends, a Watford star, the face of America, in an Everton shirt. Jay Demerit, Tim Howard. We'll come to you in a minute, Tim. But Jay, you are one of the most tenacious human beings to ever pull on a US jersey. Your story, incredible. A barman in Chicago with dreams of playing Premier League football. Decides to go over on a whim. Ninth level of football, all the way to the Premier League with Watford. What is a lesson about life you take from that incredible climb? Because it's so inspiring. Well, I mean, if we had a half hour, we could we could have a different broadcast. But uh, you know, I think the first thing it starts with belief. Uh, you know, what we teach a lot of our youth through our programs. You got to believe. You know, especially when no one believes in you, you got to believe in yourself. Respect the people around you. Respect the environments. Uh, work hard. Do your work ethic. Get out of bed. Do things that you want to do. And then the last thing is uh, is to stay positive because at times you're in the attic, you're sleeping on floors that aren't yours, and you gotta, you gotta, you got to stay positive throughout that adversity. Get out of bed is something that Los Angeles football fans are so incredibly Absolutely. They know, they know how to get out of bed in L.A. You had a solo dream of being in the Premier League. <laughs> That's right. How do you feel now? We're looking at this manifestation where the Premier League in uh, America is as big as this. I mean... 
Yeah, I mean, they didn't really have this in Green Bay, Wisconsin, as far as football goes. There's <laughs> a different kind of football where I grew up. But, I mean, obviously, uh, to see how far the game has come, to see that people are willing to get out of their beds at 2 a.m. to come and line up down the street in L.A. in the rain doesn't happen either. But, uh, oh, you know, it says a lot about the growth of the game. incentive, America. <laughs> Absolutely. Tim Howard, talking about America, a historic moment today. Everton Football Club are going to warm up in these jerseys, a tribute to their passionate American fan base and to the biblical lineage of American stars who pulled on an Everton jersey as the greatest American to do so. How do you feel when you look at this shirt? Well, it's, you know, I was part of a generation that helped bring, uh, you know, Everton to America and the Premier League to America. I was just a vehicle and a steward for that. Loved pulling on that shirt. Uh, Everton is America's team because myself and Landon and Joe Max and all the Americans that played for them. America's team. We will leave it at that. And now I'm going to throw this into the audience. Back to you, Bex. I really hope Matthew Lewis, who joins me now, who plays Neville on bottom, doesn't judge our acting skills. Matthew. That was extraordinary. That <laughs> extraordinary. Was... I'm going to take that in a positive <laughs> way. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. Now, big Leeds United fan, but lives in Florida. Correct. So first things first, tell us a little bit about your experience of being a Leeds fan over the pond. Um, well, it was, it was difficult for the longest time, you know, when we've been out the top flight for a while, so trying to find the games was never, was never easy. Um, but now we're, we're back in the Premier League. It's, uh, it's been a big difference, and I've been really fortunate that I've got a, a little pub downtown in Orlando that we go to, and the landlord's a Leeds fan. So we have the Bielsa suite upstairs, oh. which is currently red, and I have to paint it white over, oh, over, oh. over the off-season. So, uh, yeah, get that fixed, and it should be all perfect. Well, that sounds like you've got a lovely spot to watch the games every week. But this season hasn't yet had the fire, really, and the results of last season. Why not, do you think, Matthew? Um, well, you know, we're under no illusions that it's not been a great start. But we, we, we've got a very thin squad. Um, you know, a lot of teams that come up do. And um, when, when you've, you're in the Premier League, suddenly players, they come at a premium. And, and trying, to, trying to fill that squad has been, has, been, has been difficult. We've had a lot of injuries to start the year in crucial positions. You know, Calvin's obviously on the bench today, um, but he's not been playing in the last game. And uh, Pat Bamford's obviously out for a few weeks as well. So it's been a, it's been a tough start in injury perspective. Um, but we've only been in the Premier League for a year. And, and you know, they say that the... The financial benefits of the Premier League doesn't come for, for three years or so. Add COVID into the mix and it's going to be four or five years. So, we, you know, it's, it's, it's a time game and we've just got to try and stay alive. And um, we've, got enough, we've got enough in the squad to, to come good and I'm, I'm not too concerned. And you've got a podcast as well, Jermaine Beckford and Patrick Bamford and Emma Jones that you do every week. So what's the name of that people want to listen it's, to? It's um, very snappily titled The Official Leeds United Podcast. Nice, yeah. I like it. Um, and then just finally, your experience so far here today, Fan Fest in LA, what do you think? Oh, it's wild. I mean, it's, you know, it's... it's... <laughs> there you go. Um, it's... The middle of the night, it's raining, and there's there's so many people out here for the game. It's fantastic to be thousands of miles away from home and see this response to the Premier League. And I'm seeing so many lead shirts as well, which is the most important thing. Brilliant stuff. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us thank today. You. Matthew Lewis, who plays Level Longbottom in the Harry Potter series. And I no doubt one of his favourite players will be Rafinha, who starts today. He can create a little bit of magic. See what I did there? For Leeds United, not so good so far this season. Hoping for victory today against Wolverhampton Wanderers. We're back here in LA next. Now, coming next, something we've really tried to not let happen, but for some reason, they've been renewed for season eight, and they're here, and they're only on our bloody stage. It's the Men in Blazers. <laughs> oh. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Rebecca Law. Yes, it is true. We are back on NBC Sports somehow on November the 7th. And just like Harry Kane, takes us a little while into the season to get going. But then here we are in Los Angeles. And my Lord, it's a proper football city. Yes, we are thrilled to be in the city of Angels to officially kick things off here at the Los Angeles Coliseum. It feels like college game day, Rog, if football were soccer. Yeah, and if college game day started at 4.30am in the bloody morning. Can I just say up front, I revere West Coast football fans. Yep. The dedication, the passion. Yep. Oh, that 4am wake-up call is real and it is brutal. Tactically, I never know how to play it. Do you stay in the club and just grind through or do you go to bed early? Well, I think it's fairly obvious which option you chose, Roger. I remember back in the early 90s when I was living here in the crap part of Sunset Plaza, the only place you could watch English football was at the handful of British pubs strewn around Los Angeles. There he is. I mean, it's like looking in a mirror. Actually, a much younger Davo. That's what I looked like down in 1997 when I used to go down to the Cock and Ball in Santa Monica. I watched Chelsea win our first major trophy there in 26 years. You look like the great next Norwich City midfielder to come, Dave. And I'll just look at this crowd, living proof of how far we've come from those early days cuddling together in bars. It's been one of the greatest joys of my life watching the league I love grow in the nation I love. And look how packed it is. It's like a bloody Burnley uh, box in there. That's how (laughs) tight it all is. And the Premier League, sports equivalent to succession, played out in cleats with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as Tom Wamsgams. And with the men in Blazers show's impending return, we wanted to relive one of the moments in which you will all have reveled most this season. King Andros Townsend scoring against Manchester United, then unfurling the Ronaldo Sally. No, Roger, I'm talking about a game between teams who actually win things. Yeah, the Florida Cup is a thing, Davey. I was thinking more about the teams that have won the last four Premier League titles between them, Manchester City and Liverpool. They met back on October the 3rd, an instant classic, Rog, and ahead of tomorrow's United-Liverpool clash, let's relive a couple of golden moments. The last two champions collided in a tactical battle that was Jurgen Klopp's studded leather jacket of a Liverpool team taking on Pep Guardiola's all Kashmir City eleven. Pep lets Klopp know he's well aware he got the LASIK over the summer. Well, even in a game filled with superlative quality, Roger, one moment stood out above all others in the 76th minute with the game tied at one. Mohamed Salah bodies Riyad Mahrez, sends Bernardo sprawling, vaporises Amaric Laporte and hits one off the post Malone and in. 2-1 Reds. A moment of poetic genius. Ballet is sports. Look at these moves. Dance, Billy, dance. Cha-cha slide. Juju on the beat. Oh, Mo turns Amaric Laporte so hard. Dude momentarily thinks he's French again. Scoop, there it is. A goal of the season candidate that could also win Dancing with the Stars. Absolutely, Rog. Uh, KDB would equalise to make it 2-2. And at the final whistle, in a post-Ted Lassified world, it's nothing but good vibes between the two managers. 90 mesmerising minutes, transcendent to witness. 
Ballads will be written about this match, which has proved that nothing makes you feel more alive than football played at this level. And a reminder that like a creepy uncle in a family photograph, Mike Dean always going to be lurking in the background. Oh, Mike Dean, Mo Salah and Josh Sargent. Rog, we could not be more excited to be talking about all of the greats on NBC Sports for our eighth season. Eight seasons, same number as different strokes. LA Law, Magnum PI. And like each of those, we hope the Men in Blazers is more than just about sports. It's about life itself. And we kick things off on our season premiere Sunday, November 7th, right after West Ham versus Liverpool, an episode that features Roger's interview with none other than Everton manager Rafa Benitez. Rafa, my new dad, since Mr Carlo went out for milk and never came back. But eight seasons on, it remain, remains our dream to cover the Premier League that we love, in the nation we love. We never take it for granted. Thank you, Los Angeles. God love you. Watford, really? Back to you, Bex. Sunday, February the 13th, Super Bowl 56 from nearby SoFi Stadium. You can watch that on NBC. Now, that is just part of a once-in-a-lifetime winter. Not only have we got the Super Bowl in February, we've got the Winter Olympics as well, and we're celebrating by giving away prizes and experiences you'll never forget. Go to NBCSports.com slash once-in-a-lifetime for your chance to win. Now, the Winter Olympics, just a few months away, we're a little less than seven years until the Games return to L.A. Won't that be great when that? flame here at the Coliseum will be lit once more. Now, a couple of people who know a thing or two about the Olympics, US women's water polo captain Maggie Steffens, three-time Olympic gold medalist and, oh yes, and Adam Rippon, who won bronze in the figure skating team event at the 2018 Pyeongchang Games, are both here on stage with me. And it's an absolute delight to be with you both. Maggie, I watched you all summer over in Tokyo. Massive congratulations. Has it sunk in yet? Not really. Honestly, that was the first USA chant I've heard because we had no fans in Tokyo. So thank you. Go USA! Wonderful. Three gold medals, London, Rio, and Japan. Adam, we saw each other in Tokyo. We've got the Winter Olympics coming up, but you're here in LA right now for Skate America. Now tell us a bit what happened last night. So last night, three-time world champion Nathan Chen, he had a bit of a rough go, but you know, he's a three-time world champion for a reason. He's going to be fine. This is his first competition in this Olympic season. He's still the favorite for gold. He will be fine, and he will really have a strong skate today, I'm sure of it. So he skates later on tonight? Yes. And is that on NBC? It'll be on NBC tonight. So you see here that he does struggle with some of his jumps, but... You know, what he has behind him is just a whole three years of being so consistent. Yeah. This is to be expected. He's the favorite for gold in Beijing. And I think after this skate, this is just something that will just kind of take the pressure off of being perfect for three years. Lovely stuff. Adam, you're in Manchester City Colors. I'm not sure you know that, but you're in Manchester City Colors. I don't, I don't know that. Oh, and now I do. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. got a Liverpool shirt. Now, there's a link, isn't there? Tell us the link between water polo and the Premier League. Yeah, so uh, actually, your colors are perfect because Thank Pep's, you. Pep's right hand man, Manela Ciarte, is a six time Olympian for water polo. So little do a lot of people know the. A player developer, you know, somebody who's been with Pep for so many years is a water polo player like me. So basically, because of water polo, Man City is so good. Pretty much. Basically, that's the bottom line. Adam, Maggie, it's so lovely to have you with us. Thank you so much. Now, right next to our location at the Coliseum is Banker California Stadium, the home of LAFC. And right now, delighted to say Tim and I are joined by their co-president and general manager, former U.S. men's national team player, John Thorrington. John, thank you so much for joining us. And 
considering especially that you haven't had any sleep because you've come straight from an away game at Minnesota, landed and come straight here. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here, not a problem. Now, you, I know caught a little bit of the show yesterday and you've been here for a little while this morning. What are your overall general impressions of these fan fests? This is incredible. I, uh, you know, as a, as a proud uh, member of Los Angeles, having grown up here, seeing the interest, I saw it from afar yesterday, and at this hour, seeing this energy, it's just incredible. It really is, and it's good, to, it's good to see you again. John and I played together, and I've had the good fortune of playing against your team, LAFC. The culture that you've created and built within that stadium and that fan group in this community is incredible. Can you speak a little bit to that? Sure thing. Yeah, I mean, here we are, historic venue, just steps away from my bias, perhaps, aside, a stadium that I would say rivals anything in the global game in terms of its atmosphere, its quality, and its, and its location. And I think these, these, years of, these few years have been an amazing ride, this, this short history, and we're here to add to the legacy of L.A. sports. Let's talk a bit about that, because the city, it feels, just getting stronger and stronger, adding more and more sports teams, especially football, which is a great thing, John. Certainly, yes. I think uh, we have certainly just we are determined to gain a foothold in, in this in this crowded market. I feel like we have we have done that. L.A. has been a city of champions. You see the energy here. These supporters doing our city proud. And uh, yeah, certainly we're excited to be a part of it here. Uh, Bank of California State and we love the energy that our supporters bring. And uh, again, hoping to add championships to, to this legacy of champions here in L.A. Absolutely. Well, we are here in L.A. for the Premier League Fan Fest. I have to ask you, who's impressed you the most in the Premier League this season? I have to say, having this is maybe a, a recency bias, but Man City yesterday were absolutely sensational. Um, <laughs> Tim and I will we'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait till later. We'll wait till later to see see the Man United Liverpool match, which we are certainly uh, re- really excited for. But that that again yesterday, that performance was quite impressive, pretty special. John, hopefully you get some sleep between now and the Man United game. Thank you so much for joining us. Really great to have you here, John Thorrington. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Sadekas. Uh, the last couple of years, though, I've been working on this Apple TV show called Ted Lasso. I, yeah. Which somehow became a hit, you know? Uh, and, it, I mean, it's truly shocking to me because it's built around two things Americans hate, soccer and kindness. <laughs> <laughs> No Ted Lasso skit on SNL last night, but there was a familiar sight above Jason Sudeikis's dressing room. Now, you may remember before we even had our first broadcast, Ted Lasso was an NBC marketing campaign for the Premier League. At the same time, we were introduced to his assistant, Coach Beard. Later on, I'll actually be speaking with the man who portrays him. That's Brendan Hunt. Can't wait for that. So that was in 2013. One year later, we decided to bring Ted back. But this time, a little more up close and personal. Well, today should be an absolute cracker of a game, Ted. We've got two teams here who are desperate for three points to avoid relegation. What are you looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to the definition of relegation. I was able to parlay my coaching career into some on-camera work. I was doing some, uh, you know, some football punditry with Rebecca Lowe, and I had the pleasure of working alongside Arlo White and that golden, velvety, 
yummy voice of his. They're the champions. The bottom three teams, as you know, are relegated. Wait a minute. Say champions again. Champions. I mean, that guy sounds like Elle McPherson farting into Miles Davis's trumpet. Let's um, oh, talk a little you. bit about your time in London, in North I London at Tottenham. How long exactly were you there? About six and a half hours. Six okay. and a half, and I don't know how that translates to uh, British time. You know, I made some rookie broadcast mistakes, as anyone's going to do in that situation. Hey, welcome, welcome to the London. Premier League right here. Ted Lasso coming at you right at home. I'm sorry, you're, you should start, not me. Go ahead, let, let, let's do it again. Let's start over, yeah? Oh, Ted, we're actually, we're actually live right now. This is Ted, Ted Lasso. The oh, it's live. Talk. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. How was I supposed to know that? I thought that said live. Some of the words, you know, I got confused. I mean, that's tough. I mean, but if they're going to be relegated, you have to allow for that to be the regular relegation. You don't know what relegated means, do you? I don't. I don't. I'm still confused of if it's regulated or relegated. I'd have to see it written because I'm a visual learner. My brief time with NBC Sports was a whole lot of fun, though. I'm Arlo White. This is... I'm uh, LeVar Burton from Lamar. Star Trek. And I got to say, from my point of view, I think they really like me. Now, if I was a Fulham fan, what I would encourage them to do, go out to the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Hide. You wait for the referee to come out there, get into his little car, and you follow him home. So you tweet his address, and you let the good people fool him take matters in their own hands. Obviously, don't go and do that. Hey, you do whatever you like. We can't condone anything of the sort. No, we can't. Live! Live! It's live! And we're clearing the floor. All right. Hey, that was fun. You're a w- Yeah. Hi, she knew my nickname. You would have told me I would have been drinking tea at 3 o'clock every day. About a year ago, I would have punched you in the mouth. A lot of cities in America have places like Chinatown or Little Italy. So I went ahead and made my home, my apartment, teeny tiny England. My philosophy, you know, keep calm and get fired up. found a great place to watch games. I found a local pub here in town that shows all the EPL games. And it's kind of like my home away from home. Hey, everybody. Cheers. And you know who I saw last time I was there? You look really familiar. You know that? Do I? Yeah, who do people tell you you look like? Tim Howard. Nah, 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 you know who you look like? You look like the, uh, the goalkeeper for Everton. Timmy Howard. Offside. I mean, do you get it? I get it. You do get it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I literally have a better understanding of who killed Kennedy than I do what is offside. Mm. You know, it was the mob. I'm the proud coach of the St. Catharines Fighting Owls. Who? The Fighting Owls! <laughs> coach, I'll tell you right now. Yeah. They look at least as good as Spurs did. Oh, these guys these guys are just as capable of, of, of winning games as the Spurs, yeah. Do you think there's any chance that you'll be back in the premiership? I have a knowingness inside me that I'll get to coach over there again someday. And, you know, I hope it happens within my lifetime. Hold on one second here. Well, how about that? I just got asked to be the head coach at Lochester. You mean Leicester? Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And joining Tim and I right now, Arlo White, live, of course, from Old Trafford, ahead of United against Liverpool later on. Arlo, I know it was a while ago now, that skit, and I know yeah. you, of course, have been in the actual yeah. show as well, but just give us some memories for you, Arlo, of working with Jason Sudeikis. Oh, that's just brought it all oh, back, Bex. It was absolutely back. phenomenal. Why I've not got T-shirts with the Miles Davis helmet first and quote made up, I've no idea. I can remember getting to the studio, the Premier League Live studio, and I knew that I had to do my skit with Ted, with Jason, next door after you'd done the studio hits, you know, at the desk. And I remember sitting on, on some steps in the corner of the studio thinking I was out the way here, no problem. We had no idea what to expect from Jason that day. 
day. And I remember after a couple of, of zingers uh, that I was just starting to crack up. I mean, I, 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 from the belly, I just wanted to laugh out loud. And I realised that I was directly in your eyeline. And I'd chosen the worst spot in the entire studio to sit. So I spent the rest of the day just like this, trying not to put you off because it was absolutely hilarious. And then when it was all edited together, it was even funnier than that experience. I just remember we got on a train back afterwards, didn't we? Because we were covering a preseason game down in Washington, D.C. And we were just buzzing for the entire journey. It truly was one of the highlights of my career that day. Oh, I totally agree, Alan. I totally agree. Tim, your moment there as well. I just, it was brilliant watching you desperately trying not to laugh. Well, I mean, he's, he's pure genius, you know. So you, Ted Lasso is, is, we didn't know at the time, but we should have, that it was going to be sensational. And you just never worked with someone as amazing as Jason Sudeikis at the time. He made me laugh. I was trying to contain it. He just kept going and going. The cameras were never off. And then that's what you get. You stole the show, though. I loved I loved your element. What was that like? Oh, my goodness. Well, I remember Arlo actually being in my eyeline. I do remember that, Arlo. It was very, very difficult not to laugh. But for me, I think it was just when he arrived with um, Brendan Hunt, who we're going to talk to later, and he said, oh, so there'll be no script today. You'll just, Jason will just take you through it. Yeah. And I, I, I was absolutely petrified. I said, no, no, no. I need... I, I'm a TV host. I need a script. I need a script. They're like, oh, no, no, just We'll just improv it. I'm, this guy's from Saturday Night Live. Anyway, because of the genius that is Jason Sudeikis, as really? you well know and Arlo knows, he takes you through it. Yeah. And somehow you just you do okay and you get to go along for the ride. And like Arlo said, for me, uh, one of the, if not the highlights of my absolutely. career, it was seven years ago. And every now and then watch that back and it always puts you in a good mood. Another look at the Olympic cauldron here at the Coliseum. That flame will be burning once again in a little less than seven years. And at the 2028 Olympic Games, which will be upon us before we know it. And it's going to be incredible. Thanks in part to the lady who's with me right now, Kathy Carter, the Chief Executive Officer of LA28. Kathy, it's so lovely to welcome you in here to FanFest. First of all, what do you make of the crowd? What do you make of LA FanFest? Well, let me start by saying, come on, you Spurs. Oh! Got a few all right, there. All right. I know you love football. I know you were a goalkeeper, weren't you? Let's talk Olympics. What does it mean to you to bring the Olympic Games back to LA? Well, I mean, you mentioned 32, 84. To bring it back in seven short years, here back to the Memorial Coliseum as a heartbeat of what will be an unbelievable showcase for Los Angeles, it's, uh, it's nothing short of a dream. How would it be different, do you think, LA 28 to previous Olympic Games? Well, probably the biggest difference will be the fact that we'll host for the first time. Well, it'll be the third time for the Olympics. It'll be the first time for the Paralympics. Uh, and so to be able to host those games here in Los Angeles and actually here at USC, the Coliseum, will really be the heartbeat of those games. Uh, it'll be very exciting for us to really showcase the Paralympians. I, th I think somebody, big round of applause, absolutely. I think for somebody who doesn't live in LA, it, it doesn't always ring through just how much of a sporting city this is. So how much for you does the Olympics fit right into this city? Well, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches we have in Los Angeles. You know, we are no-build games because with the Coliseum and so many other incredible venues that we have, there's nothing that we have to build, uh, which means that we can focus on all of the other things that we can do to leave an impact on Los Angeles. And whether that be sustainability or bringing youth sports to kids in L.A., there's just so many opportunities we have beyond the games themselves. 
it sounds to me like you have a lot of work on your plate. So over the course of seven years, how do you structure that, Kathy? I mean, being the CEO of LA28, how do you begin to structure a seven-year plan? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's a, it's a series of small steps that lead into a huge event. Um, and right now we're working on all the, the foundational elements of what kind of organization. We're a small and mighty group, it seems a lot, of 100 people, but we'll grow to be five or 6,000 people before the games actually are here. So actually preparing for that, you know, you're a startup organization, guaranteed to be a Fortune 500 company, and then guaranteed to go out of business. <laughs> Fair enough. At least you know what you're getting yeah. into. And just finally, West Ham Tottenham today. Give me a scoreline, Kathy. Big Spurs fan. I'm going 3-1 Spurs. 3-1 Spurs. That got a few cheers. It also got a few Arsenal boos as well, Kathy. Thank you so much. Pleasure to have you here and best of luck the next seven years. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Our thanks there to Kathy Carter. And off the back of that, who better to hear from than one of the greatest Olympians of all time? Here is a legendary sprinter, Usain Bolt. Come on, United, you know, we're going to do it this season. We're going to win some trophy. Christian's back, so come on. <laughs> Here he is, still invincible, Usain Bolt. For your consideration, ladies and gentlemen, Usain Bolt of Jamaica, the best of all time, Ali, Jordan, maybe Phelps after this week. Whoever you have on your personal list, the dominance he's shown over now three Olympic games in a row, I think warrants you making some room on your best of all time athlete list. How did you become a fan of Manchester United? Uh, for me, one day I was at home watching football and it was when Venister was playing here and I, he, he really impressed me. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to support that team. And it was just, it was just like it was supposed to happen. <laughs> How do you watch Manchester United? If it's on my phone, on the go, I, I have an app to make sure I, I'd never miss a game. So it's something that it doesn't matter where I'm at or who I'm with, I'm always watching. Goal has been ruled out. Enjoy the LA Fan Fest. I'll be watching too. I cannot tell you how delighted I am, how much I know these fans are so excited as well, to welcome Coach Beard, whose real name is Brendan Hunt, but I just cannot call him anything other than Coach Beard uh, throughout the whole of this interview. Coach, it is so good to have you here. First and foremost, though, Arsenal fan, talk us through the shirt. Right, so uh, I decided to bring my very first Arsenal shirt from 1999, and apparently it's a small, and I don't fit in it so good, and I have to hold my stomach in, and I'm losing my breath. I, I tried. I tried, Rebecca. <laughs> I did we, my best. We got, I mean, we haven't seen each other for seven years since we did that skit back in 2014. And I've thought of you every day since. That's very kind, Coach Beard. Thank you very much, Shindu. Um, in terms of how successful this has been now as the television show, did you ever dream of that seven years ago doing the skits? Um, we didn't think that the show would do well because you weren't in it anymore, but we tried anyway. <laughs> um, and it's been, uh, it's been incredibly gratifying to see uh, people take to it so much and to walk around in here and see people wearing actual people in actual life, wearing actual Richmond jerseys is fully mind-blowing. It, it absolutely is. And we had so many Ted Lasso lookalikes yesterday as well. What is it? I mean, Jason was joking there about the soccer and the kindness things America doesn't love. But what is it about this show that has made everyone fall in love with it? But I mean, I wish I knew. Um, I mean, the mustache helps. Um... Also, uh, y'all talk funny, which everyone is very <laughs> enchanted by. Um, but I don't know. We're just we're just trying to do our best and, uh, and have some fun with it. And we didn't know the show would be uh, have any audience at all, much less what it's, what the reception has been. So 
Yeah, we're just we're just grateful. What about the reception in the UK? Because obviously we knew about Ted Lasso here, but the UK folk, what, how have they been with you guys? Yeah, well, um, it depends. Like one time I was out by a bar and a fan passed Phil Dunster, who plays Jamie Tart, and goes, "Oh my God, you're the guy in the show!" <laughs> and uh, and Phil, trying to get rid of the guy, was like, "Yeah, well, he, uh, he plays the coach." And the guy looks at me and looks back at Phil, not the main one. <laughs> Oh, trust a Brit to say that. Um, now, the future of the show. We've had two seasons. Mm -hmm. Please tell us there's more to come. We are writing season three as we speak. Season three, Ted Lasso, as we speak. What Can you, can you tell us anything? What do we to expect? Anything? Um, everyone dies. Everyone <laughs> dies. In the first episode. Oh, there you go. And also, you've got Premier League footage this time around, right? Deal struck the Premier League. We can see goals, real-life, actual Premier League goals. I mean, if we get promoted in Season 2, we'll see That's how true. that goes. That is true. You've got to get promoted, but, you know, let's not spoil it for anybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. Coach Beard, it's been... I See, I can't call you anything else other than Coach Beard. Uh, we're going to welcome in now... Coach, I think you're going to do this for me, actually. What are you doing? We take you to Old Trafford with, first of all, lifelong childhood friends, Graham Lasso and Lee Dixon, and the voice of Ted Lasso, Arlo Smoother Than Barry White. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, Brendan. Hello, Rebecca. Lovely to talk to you. It's great to hear uh, from Brendan, and being part of that show has been a very special part of my life for the last couple of years. Um, back mm. to the present, mm. and a very, very, very big game that we have here. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who's under some pressure in his programme notes, says the comeback against Atalanta the other night was a big show of character from them. Is it a big show from him to drop Paul Pogba to the bench? What does that mean for Manchester United? Well, it was interesting hearing Robbie uh, talking about his shock at Pogba being left out today and on the bench. Now, obviously, if you, if you base it on the stat stature of the player and the name, yes. But in terms of the system and the formation, I think he's made the right decision, Ollie, because they need two holders in there. If the fullbacks are going to push forward, they're at home, they've got to go for the game, they've got to play open football. They need some security because Liverpool on the counter-attack, they've got had less possession this season, Liverpool, but they're far more potent going forwards. So they need to protect those back two by having a little bit of security. Doesn't mean they're going to play alongside each other. Mm. McTominay might get forwards. But that security, I think, is absolutely spot-on tactically. Liverpool-wise, Fabinho is out injured. Mane and Martip go to the bench. I, I was a little surprised by that, Lee. You? Um, possibly, I think, Canate playing there. He's got a little bit more pace. I think I think Klopp will be looking at... We don't know what's going on in training. You don't know how tired the player are. He could be picking something up. He could be on the on, in the red zone. So you don't really know what's going on from that point of view. I think this Liverpool side playing that team formation we know and I think Manchester United have got to play really well individually but I think Greenwood and Rashford I think Oli needs that pace in the tight side mm. to get at the fullbacks of Liverpool and push them back a little bit that's probably why Pogba is not playing because he slows the game a little bit down mm. I've heard he's in the red zone <laughs> he's been there for about eight years um, Rebecca I think we just got a look at people holding our heads upon sticks and it looks disappointingly like Graham was winning can you confirm or deny? They want his head on a stick, that's what they want. <laughs> I, I can confirm, I can confirm there are a lot of Graham Lasso heads on sticks. He's a very popular man here in Hollywood. There you go, evidence of a lot of Grahams out there. It's an interesting sight. Joining Coach Beard, Alan Shearer, Tim Howard, Robbie Musto, Robbie Elf for some final thoughts. Robbie Musto, going into this game, your final thought, what are you looking for? I'm looking to see which set of attackers can do their work. I think we've talked a lot about midfield players and protecting and defending, but it, the game is about goals. I mean, you look at both teams, they've got brilliant attacking players. I don't think we've talked too much about Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm. 
Don't put it past him to have another big moment in this game. Alan Shearer, who are you going for and why? I think I'm going to go for Man United, you know, because of that system... <laughs> Sorry. That system uh, suits them, I think, as, as, as ugly as it may look in, in terms of the midfield. Those two midfield players are in there for a reason. They're in there to try and stop Liverpool, try to stop their, their, their attacking flow, and I think it'll work for them. And when you look at the forward players on both teams, I'm sure we're going to get goals, aren't we? Let's hope so. Fingers crossed for goals. You want to see what it looks like when the goal goes in behind us. What would uh, Ted Lasso be saying right now in the dressing room? Well, I think he would take Ronaldo aside and be like, hey, man, I know you're new here, but, <laughs> but don't be nervous. <laughs> what can I do to help give you some self-confidence that you are clearly lacking? And then he'd, like, massage him, and it would be great. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Robbie L, some final thoughts? Well, I think Ronaldo's clever enough to get himself onto Canate and stay away from Van Dijk and really test this young player. Only second Premier League starter back. It's big, big game for Canate, and, and Ronaldo knows how to make most of these moments. Tim, who are you going for? Well, it's going to be a wide-open game. Big decision from both managers. Wide-open game suits Liverpool. I think they'll brush them aside today. I really do. OK. OK, interesting. Split camp here. How about that for a day at the office for Mo Salah, Jurgen Klopp and the rest of that Liverpool team? Welcome back to LA. Tim Howard, Alan Shearer, Rebecca Lowe, Robbie L, Robbie Musto. I think half of this fan fest, maybe all of it, is in shock at that scoreline. Your first reactions, Alan Shearer. Wow, what a performance from Liverpool. Man United just couldn't live with them. Too quick for them, too clever for them. Um, they never got started at all, but you have to give uh, Liverpool all the credit because they went after Manchester United and they just couldn't handle them. I mean, you're looking at a forward line, I think it's 27 goals they've now got Liverpool this season, which is remarkable, and you're talking about the world's best forward at this moment in time in Mo Salah. He is just red hot. Everything he's hitting is going in the back of the net and... I had one or two moments like that myself, and I tell you what, you just cannot wait for the games to come. I think you had a few more than one or two. You're about 260, if I'm right. Tim, let's stay with Liverpool, shall we? Because before this season, we talked about them going under the radar. Oh, they're absolutely on the radar now. Absolutely brilliant. Last year was good for them. They had a lot of injuries. They were able to just kind of... They weren't criticised for being a defending champion. That's all gone. They've got Van Dijk back. Their front four are fantastic. There are so many goals in this team. You see Mo Salah there again with another hat-trick. He's just absolutely sensational. They won't stop scoring goals. They won't stop pressing teams. They are... They're right in it. Robbie Musto, which is the bigger story? Liverpool winning 5-0 or United losing 5-0? United losing 5-0. That's damaging. Yeah. That's damaging to the manager. I think in recent weeks... The goal-scoring exploits of Ronaldo and a couple of others, there's been late goals, late victories in the Premier League and the Champions League, papered over the cracks. The cracks are all there exposed today. And that's the, the, the biggest takeout that I've got. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's face, we've seen him a lot in press conferences. I don't think I've ever seen that face on him. Very, very upset. Uh, and he should have been, because that showed... It isn't a team, Rebecca. It's just not a team defensively or even attack-minded uh, with what they're doing at the moment. Damaging. We are going to bring you the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer post-match interview just as soon as we get it. How much is it Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? How much is it the players? The manager has to take the, the rap, Rebecca, and we said at the start of season nine weeks ago that it's a four-horse race for the title this year. We were wrong. It's a three-horse race. The other three teams are better than Manchester United. One point in 12 for Manchester United is not good enough, and the performance was bad. Let me tell you, for me, what will be the headlines, fans walking out at half-time, 
to Alex Ferguson's face what we saw and Kenny Dalglish laughing at the end. Those things are going to put pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Alan, those shots, it was at half-time and then there was more on about the 65-minute mark of those United fans leaving Old Trafford. Did you ever think you'd ever see that? No, but I totally understand why they would be doing it because to lose in that way, in that manner, to their biggest rivals who we all thought they were going to go up against and challenge for the title this season is embarrassing. So they wouldn't want to be part of that. What also is embarrassing is when you bring someone at half-time, Paul Pogba, to say, come on, do something different, give us a little bit extra we've been really struggling in that first half and then for him to put in a tackle like he did on that that it was a coward's tackle it was a terrible tackle and it needed a red card and got the the, the decision that it deserved it was awful you talk about playing for the manager that's not a team that is is looking forward to playing for their manager Pogba sending off shows us that I've been in dressing rooms where you galvanize yourself it's not they're in dangerous territory yes or no should he be fired yes or no yes Yes. don't see how we can get away with him that's a yes Yes, but I don't think he will be. Okay, fascinating stuff. Now, we have had the whole team here. Well, not quite, of course. The three-man booth, Arlo, Lee and Graham doing their thing at Old Trafford. But don't worry, they're here in spirit and they have been here on sticks as well. Very popular, I tell you, Graham Lasso. You definitely were winning. Very, very popular. Anyway, enough of that. America loves you. Let's quite talk the surprise. about... Well, let's... <laughs> Chats, let's talk about one of the biggest results we've seen in quite some time. Absolutely. Shockwaves, I think, going through the Premier League, Rebecca. You can still hear the Liverpool fans in the away end. They're not allowed out yet, but they're still singing. They're, they're joyous after a 5-0 win. And we'll get to Liverpool in a second because they were sensational. But Manchester United are going to be the story tomorrow in the papers over here, aren't they? And the future of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He's a club legend. How bad does it have to get? And I know you two are not in the market of demanding that managers be fired. But how bad does it have to get for United in order for them to make the switch? The thing is with United is they've got so much talent as an individual talent we talked about before the game that they will win games or probably win the next two or whatever it is. And that's what will keep them going. But They're Spurs and Man City, by the way. Well, whatever. They're quite capable of winning both of those Mm. because they've they've got that talent in order. And Ronaldo scores a brilliant goal. The trouble that they've got is that... So when you analyse what they did today, it's the training pitch for me. So he's got to get back with his coach. He's got to get back to the training ground and work out a way of playing without the ball when they play the bigger teams because they're so up and down. I've seen United a few times when they've won games, you go, didn't play great, but they'll get away with it. So you're not going to get me to say, oh, you should sack him now. You've got to go back to work. Managers get off the hook too easy for my liking. They should be going, right, Ollie, you've gone to the end of the season. Prove me you're a good coach. Then at that point, then you can say, right, it's not worked, and then you make a change. And there's very much, we always talk about identity, but it's, it's such an important feature of consistency is what's your default position when you've got the ball and when you haven't got the ball? What do you do well as a team? And then that allows your individuals to go and perform. Right now, is Mo Salah the best player in the world? Oh, yeah. Right now. Oh, he's just right absolutely Today, phenomenal. Last week, week e- before. Easiest question of the day, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but also the way Liverpool are playing, I just think, you know, they're the epitome of everything we're saying yeah. about an identity, a hunger of a team, plus the individual ability. Jurgen Klopp is getting the best out of all of those players from a defensive point of view and a creative point of view. They're in phenomenal form. Rebecca, from myself, from Lee Dixon, and from America's new darling, Graham Lasso. <laughs> bye bye, fan festers. We'll see you next week. <laughs>